coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Print Nightmare, a thing of shreds and patches. Next up, an unnecessary revel, a look at the Casey ransomware incident. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 91, recorded on July 12th, 2021. I'm your co-host Kelsey, born to pun LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, pun nightmare Anderson, I feel personally attacked. And last, but not least, Tim. Kaseya, mister, can you spare me a Dogecoin? Help me. Welcome, you two. Hello, hello, everyone. <laughs> we had a little, a little summer, a little summer camp. But without each other, so not much, not much of a camp. The opposite of that. Hmm. What is what is the opposite of summer camp? Winter camp? No. Quarantine. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Solitary confinement. Solitary con. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a better. Uh, yeah, that's probably more opposite. That's pretty much been in. <laughs> well, it's good to be back with you both. We have episode, like I said, ninety-one coming for you, and we have an exciting. Surprise for you next week. We have an interview with the one and only Paul Vixie, entered DNS Haiku here. Well, now it's not a surprise anymore, but uh, yes, that, that'll be fun. It was a surprise for a very short time. Like, um, that's a good point. For two or three seconds, it was a surprise. Yeah. You had, you had some mystery for two or three seconds. This is uh, one of our friends has one of the best, you know, when you have to come up with those silly little icebreakers and you, you want to seem interesting, but humble. Um, and we were doing some kind of uh, ask each other 40 questions thing before the pandemic. And the first question was, tell us about yourself. And he started with, well, for a very short period of time, I was the youngest person alive. And that just gets me every time. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, well, let's get into our articles for the week. Uh, we have some stuff to catch up on. Apparently, we can never take a vacation from Breaking Badness because fit hits the shan when we do. So uh, first up, we have a thing of shreds and patches. So according to researchers, an emergency patch Microsoft issues on Tuesday fail to fully fix, and this would have been last Tuesday to clarify, um, fail to fully fix a critical security vulnerability in all supported versions of Windows that allows attackers to take control of infected systems and run code of their choice. And of course, this is relating to print nightmare, um, not pun nightmare, damn it, Chad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, you know, we're coming back after refreshing ourselves to this this nightmare um this print nightmare and for the sake of listeners who aren't familiar let's start with what print nightmare is and how exactly it was discovered yeah so print nightmare is a um, remote code execution vulnerability that's in the windows print spooler so uh, that's the piece of software that's responsible for managing any of the printing on microsoft windows and it's both with uh, remote printers and local ones. So it's a it's a service that's sitting there listening. It's on the network. Um, and this bug uh, allows someone to execute remote code with system level privileges um, from the print spooler. And, and print spooler is running on most everything. So we must repent. Mm -hmm. Reprint. Reprint. Yeah. 
PC low butter. (laughs) So Chad, why is this such a big deal? Um, what, what's huge is that a, uh, Proof of concept code was publicly released, uh, quickly spread and copied, even though they pulled it back. Um, so it's pretty easy to exploit this. Uh, also, this like principle is running on most Windows machines, even if you don't have a printer. Um, it's so it's it's going to be an issue um, for for most um, people who have a Windows network. So um, yeah, it's it's a required thing to print locally um, or with you know network printers. So uh, it's basically going to be in every corporate environment, right? Because um, we're still printing even in 2021, and so that's why it's a big deal. Is there's you know there's proof of concept, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much easily exploitable and everywhere. Delightful. Yeah, a Doesn't great thing for a nice? Friday. I was going to say, you know, printing is bad enough anyway. I mean, even even without this, I would say print nightmare is just kind of an apt phrase to be in the lexicon. And good Lord. Enter office space illusion now. Oh, yes. PC okay. load letter, obviously. <laughs> I was going to start singing this song, but I think it's... Um, Probably you know, not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to give everyone a second to think of that fantastic moment because it seems very meditative and cathartic to imagine destroying a printer, um, especially as we talk about this. Um, It's fun. I've done it. (laughs) I feel like this is extra cruel too. And as people are coming back to the office, I think more printing is happening shortly. So I personally print all my emails before I read them. So I thought you were that kind of person. I didn't (laughs) want to say it. Um, But that really cleared some stuff up for me. Um, (laughs) 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 So what are some examples that we know of so far of the impact of this this nightmare on organizations? Yeah, so so far it's been mostly, you know, organizations in these... uh, network security teams rushing to patch um, then finding the patch actually breaks some of their network printers. Um, so uh, organizations can't just disable printing, obviously, uh, even though it's 2021 and we all wish that they would. Um, but yeah, this thing is just out there in the wild. My guess is it's probably already being leveraged by some uh, ransomware groups for like lateral movement. Um, but I haven't actually seen that personally yet. Uh, this is a little bit of a tangent. It's a major tangent, but when I worked at a large corporation in Seattle, Washington, that will not be named, um, early in my career, I at one point put a, uh, a sheet on the printer that said, this printer has been upgraded and it is now voice activated and then listed the instructions. And I feel like this takes that prank like 20 levels above. Like this is just too far, you know, this is that's too far. I wish I had been there uh, when you did that though. That would have been pretty great. Did you, uh, is there video? There's no video. The printer room was a little bit out of sight. So there were just a few times I walked over and I saw people yelling at the printer and that was just entertaining in itself. That that was enough. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Uh, for me. <laughs> so Chad, after the entire internet was made aware of this vulnerability, or not, not the entire, but important subsets, what happened next and what steps has Microsoft taken to try to remediate this? Yeah, so they dropped a patch on their usual patch Tuesday. Um, of course, when this the print nightmare came out, uh, it was the end of the week as these things keep being. So, uh, you know, a bunch of poor defenders had to be, uh, you know, freaking out over the weekend um, when they could have been 
relaxing, <laughs> hopefully from dealing with all the <laughs> ransomware attacks on other weekends. Um, but yeah, so Microsoft dropped an advisory containing workaround steps, uh, basically came down to disabled printing, which like, once again, a lot of places can't do. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. And then they released their, their usual patch. I think it, over the fall, per, you know, particularly in October, if there was a vulnerability called pumpkin, then we'd, we, we'd have a, a pumpkin patch. Mm. Yeah. Somebody, somebody needs to make sure to, to make that happen. <laughs> and of course, here in the Seattle area, not everybody would understand this, but if there were a series of, uh, of software fixes for anything that you could abbreviate JP, they would be the JP patches. So sorry if you don't live in Seattle or if you were born after, I don't know, probably about 1980 or so, that will just be utterly a useless reference. But like <laughs> one person is going to know, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't get it. I, uh, JP? Yeah, JP Patches was a, uh, he was a TV clown. And uh, he was, um, terrifying. you know, yeah, probably, probably terrifying. Uh, I feel like he was a little bit more benign than most of them, but that probably just means he was more sinister. You, you scared me at the, the, the clowns and television. That's where my mind switched off as I protected myself. Pr protective mechanism. Yeah. That's probably smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's evo evolutionary protective. I heard the word clown and my mind just shut down. <laughs> uh, and then. Of course, Chad, for you, if there was a vulnerability called Adams, well, well Tom Hanks' love for you there. Mm. Little Patch Adams. Little Patch Adams. Mm -hmm. It was his birthday the other weekend. Did you two do anything? Get a cake? Um, he, me and Tom. He forgot yeah. to tell me about the uh, about the party this year. <laughs> uh, I I'm just chalking it up to distraction or COVID brain or something. Mm, yeah. I felt Perhaps sort of sad, effects. but I figured. <laughs> You know, he's got a lot going on. <laughs> we know if anybody would be there, though, it's Chad. They have a, a, a very personal connection. That's true. It's, uh, you know, you, you say that now as a joke, but one of these days, we'll okay, <laughs> be having dinner at the Hanks residence without you. <laughs> oh, Hanksgiving. Yeah, Hanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they call it. In I really hope they do that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Um, well, before I ruin any chances you have of Thanksgiving, um, Chad, I'll ask if Microsoft Fix is working with their patch atoms. So unfortunately, their first patch was uh, circumventable. And the developer behind Mimikatch showed that within like 12 hours of the patch dropping on um, Twitter. So uh, everything around the print spooler is kind of being combed over now, it seems. Uh, there's a couple other bugs that have cropped up. Um, and this wasn't even actually the first big bug over the last two months. There was one that allowed for privilege escalation, if I remember right, um, to system privileges from a uh, lower level user based upon how, let's see, it was like how printers were installed or something like that. But anyways, turns out printing a little difficult to secure and uh, everyone's taking their eyes on it right now. We're putting their eyes on it rather. Speaking of Twitter, um, how has good old um, Jack Twitterverse responded um, to this this fiasco of sorts? Yeah, well, uh, the POC drop and then pullback was the initial oh crap moment. I think um, you know I saw a nice little ripple ripple of people just 
a sigh of uh, despair. Um, but I think everyone's so fatigued from, you know, everything that's gone on during the pandemic, um, particularly all the ransomware defense that's going on right now. Uh, and this this whole thing, you know, another high profile, easy to exploit vulnerability um, wasn't what everyone wanted to deal with. Um, and then having the subsequent patches be disappointing. Um, it was just a uh, crappy for Windows admins everywhere. So uh, InfoSec Twitter has been its usual natural snarky self um, through this whole thing. Um, exhausted and snarky. Something that hasn't changed through the pandemic, one could argue, <laughs> those two descriptors. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully to help de-snark and re-energize, what advice would you give defenders um, to help remediate or make this a little less painful for them? Yeah, I mean, if you're running your own printing, um, you got to update, you know, and follow the steps from Microsoft's advisory. Um, if you don't need printing, uh, definitely disable that printing spooler service. And uh, really, uh, let's be honest with ourselves, anyone who's worked in, um, you know, operations uh, or IT, we all hate managing printers anyways. So just convince your management to lease a managed network printer. And that way you can just call a tech every time that it breaks. And that's so much better <laughs> than having to do it yourself. Um, or, or, or just the people running Macs and Linux boxes get to print. Nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that um, we're like a couple days behind a, uh, a Mac um, vulnerability for um, the printing service on there. Although I guess it, they use cups. Um, so that's the common Unix printing system um, or service, which is the same that Linux uses. And it has been combed over many times. I remember some high profile bugs in that years ago. Combed over is just <laughs> such a graphic way to describe what's happening. Yeah. Picturing terrible haircuts. <laughs> I always think of comb the desert and then they're out there with the comb from Spaceballs. Anybody? <laughs> yes. Anyone? The Schwartz Anybody? is strong with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Chad, thanks for discussing this print nightmare. And I think it's probably a, a natural segue or time here to go into our hoodie rating um, maybe we could 3D print how many hoodies um, on that scale of 0 to 10, 10 being very, very bad. Um, and this is, of course, playing off the, the cliche of hackers and hoodies. So, Tim, I'm going to start with you. What would you rate Print Nightmare at? And, and the whole nightmare, if you will, not just this uh, challenge with the patch situation. Yeah, this uh, nine. Nine hoodies. This is pretty awful. Um, widespread, easy to, uh, easy to exploit. So, um, uneven patching so far, it's pretty bad. I, you know, it's hard for me to go to 10, but this one goes to nine. And, um, by the way, you know, I have a goodie for this also though, which is Kelsey, it's for you. The, uh, thing of shreds and patches, excellent, uh, either Shakespeare or Gilbert and Sullivan reference, depending on, uh, how you take it. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the goodie. <laughs> All right, Chad, what about you? I would do the same, you know, the nine out of 10 is pretty serious vulnerability. Um, kind of a pain to have to deal with, uh, since printing is like a necessity for a lot of businesses. Um, so in the print spoolers running on most every machine, um, allegedly, yes, uh, allegedly, I, I see squirrely Dan saying allegedly, <laughs> that printing is a necessity. 
Yeah. Um, well, I personally use the work printer to uh, print off my concert tickets um, and uh, sporting events tickets. So it's definitely necessary for that. Um, I'm not sure if it's ever been used by me for any official business, though. Um, so, but I'm very thankful to printers there. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, nine out of ten. Hey, um, Chad and Tim, I was wondering why music was coming from my printer. Apparently, the paper was jamming. Oh, that sucks. Sounds fishy. <laughs> um, yeah, and Chad, I wanted to rise to your level and have a printing pun for after every question I asked you, but there are not as many good printing puns as there are pirate puns, apparently. It's true. It's true. Not a lot of good printer jokes. You'll just have to press on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that Uh, unspooled quickly. Hey! (laughs) Okay, here's one more. Uh, Geez, let the ink dry. (laughs) We can make another joke. All right, all right, all right. Here it is. My friend was bragging that his new 3D printer can print a gun. Big deal. I've had a Canon printer for years. Yuck, 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 All right, all right. Um, well, let's move on to our next ransomware article because that's all we talk about anymore. And in fact, Tim, you did a really great blog post. Tim and Chad, you've both written blog posts actually on ransomware in the last few weeks, um, which are definitely worth looking into. I just wanted to point that out for people that are tuning in. Chad, do you want to just give a quick description of what you wrote about? And then same to you, Tim. Yeah, well, I, I ended up um, compiling about, uh, what is it, a couple dozen reports um, over the last year into a single ransomware infographic of the relationship between the different um, initial access loader uh, software families like the Trojans um, or RATS, as some people call them, um, and the like final steps to uh, the ransomware software um, and which families are using what and, and things like that. Um, avoided attribution, it's all software relationships, but... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. By the way, this is I, I I can't say enough nice things about that. But and this is an infographic. It's not like for those of you who think, oh God, it's some marketing thing. It's not a marketing thing. This is an infographic that will help you understand what's going on with these ransomware groups better than you already do. So definitely check it out. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the purpose behind it. Was I was so confused. Um, you know, some of the uh, reports I would read in the news, you know, because you always get like a, only chunks of all the information um, when you read a news article about a ransomware event at a company. And this kind of lets you go like, oh, so they got hit with Conti. Well, um, you know, then maybe the initial access was from TrickPod or something like that. Um, so you can start looking for samples that are related, um, even though you only got a chunk of the full story in the news. Um, so that was kind of the the idea behind it. Most of Chad's good ideas start with, I was so annoyed with blank. I was tired <laughs> of doing blank. And from it comes great art. And we should give a major shout out to Alan Liska as well from Recorded Feature. For some the ransomware sommelier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's hard not to do the fake French laugh, but I'm trying to hold back. Um, Sorry. The, <laughs> Tim, do you have anything you want to say about your blog that you wrote last week that came out? Oh, well, you know, it's the the thing about what I realized about this is I've been like over the years, I've seen so many attack types kind of come and then fade away. And I realized at some point I was thinking, 
there was some like subconscious part of me that was waiting for that to happen with ransomware. And of course it's not happening. And, uh, the frustrating thing is that we, we really know how to stop ransomware. Like we know how to stop all of the individual parts of it. Uh, it's just that it, um, it's kind of like whack-a-mole, you know, if you, um, if you don't have everything covered simultaneously, then something's going to pop up and get you. So even though we know how to stop all the pieces and parts of it. It's not, it's not enough to help us really get our arms around it, but there is an awful lot of good work being done on this problem right now. And so I'm confident that we're going to turn the tide at some point. It's just, it remains to be seen how soon that'll be. And it's awfully painful for now. I feel like the way you just described that was subconsciously guided by you mentioning clowns earlier for some reason. The pop-up and get you felt very clown-like. Oh, a jump scare. <laughs> a nice jump scare. That's how you get rid of hiccups, right there. Oh, boy. Well, let's let's talk about another example of ransomware then, and then I'd, I'd highly recommend checking out both those blogs. Tim and Chad did a great job, as they always do. So be sure to give those a read. They're just on the Domain Tools blog. Um, but what we have next is an unnecessary revel. So Kaseya recently announced that it had become the victim of a cyber attack on July 2nd over American Independence Day weekend. <sighs> Sigh. So, Tim, what is Kaseya? Just to start here. Yeah. So Kaseya is software that managed service providers use to... Well, they manage their services. So uh, it gives them access into their customers' environments to manage things like provisioning systems and patch management and firewall rules, fixing the print spooler, uh, networking, routing, and all that kind of stuff. So as you would imagine, uh, this gives them pretty much the keys to the kingdom. And a lot of small and medium-sized businesses out there, but even some larger companies, uh, use managed services for something between some to all of their IT operations. And in turn, a lot of those managed service providers use Kaseya or one of their competitors to efficiently carry out all of that management. Well said, Tim. And what do we know about the dreaded July 2nd incident? Well, Chad already uh, made allusion to this. You know, you got to love this timing on Fridays. Such a crap move. Like, hey, it's bad enough that you're launching a ransomware attack that's going to be widespread, and you, but you're doing it on a Friday too. Um, I don't think we can realistically expect any sort of kindness from ransomware actors, these sort of sham uh, Robin Hood protestations that they sometimes make uh, aside. So um, anyway, on that Friday, the malicious code was timed to activate that day. And that's why that date is kind of the anchor point for the uh, all the stories about this event. But obviously, there was groundwork that was laid before then. Um, like we always talk about here at DT, the adversaries are doing a lot of infrastructure preparation and other kinds of preparation before whatever the big boom is. So in this case, um, they had created a timer uh, using the ping protocol, actually, and the counts of pings to um, uh, time it so that these uh, all of these infected machines went active at roughly the same time on July 2nd. Skynet did not become aware, but uh, self-aware, but it was it was still pretty bad. <laughs> Could you explain, Tim, then what exactly happened in that attack? 
Sure. Yeah. So, um, and first of all, this was a kind of supply chain attack, and so a lot of people will naturally and appropriately compare it to solar winds. But it actually was staged in a really different way from solar winds. So in solar winds, the attackers were able to get into their build system and actually infect the solar wind software itself. With Kaseya, the initial vector in was exploiting a couple of zero-day vulnerabilities. Well. Actually, Kaseya called them zero days, but it does appear that a couple of researchers, Dutch researchers, had actually found and reported these vulnerabilities a while back. So they just hadn't been patched yet by Kaseya. But anyhow, exploiting those vulnerabilities let the intruders bypass authentication and run arbitrary commands. And they did that um, against on-prem VSA servers. That's VSA is what uh, Kaseya calls these servers that enable this. So you've got malicious actors. As I said before, they've really got the keys to the kingdom at this point. So, um, And while this was a ransomware event, um, if the intruder's motivation had been espionage or intellectual property theft or any number of other kinds of malicious activities, this could have facilitated those as well. They just basically gave them a really good solid foothold into the protected environment. So that was the access that they needed in order to infect the endpoints with the ransomware that popped on July 2nd. Do you think when researchers from the Netherlands, like two research researchers are sharing credit, they call it going Dutch? I hope they do. I, I don't know why they wouldn't. <laughs> uh, well, but, you know, they, they probably know that's an American phrase, so maybe that's why they don't. Who knows? That's true. That's All true. you listeners uh, from the Netherlands, please weigh in on this. Yes. Pressing matter of our time. That's true. Tom Hanks, you know anybody there? I know you're listening, so if you could... Ask some of your Dutch friends. That would be much appreciated. Um, which I'm just curious, too, if there's been any, any kind of attribution. Um, I know I sort of blew this with the article title a little bit, but it was worth it for the pun. Yes, <laughs> so. it was. And th so, yeah, we're not burying the lead here. It was Revil. Um, and so unlike sometimes there's a campaign where, you know, the adversary doesn't want to be known, but there's four most, I don't know if it's most, for an awful lot of the ransomware events these days, they don't really try to hide who they are. There's no big reveal, if you will. Oh, I ah. see what you did there. <laughs> well, what type of communication has there been from Kaseya? Sure. They they did what um, really we're seeing most companies do these days. And this is a bit of a tiny little silver lining to the dark clouds of the ransomware epidemic. And that was that they were pretty forthcoming about what happened and about what they were doing about it and what their customers needed to do about it. Um, and what they needed to do, by the way, was shut down their on-prem Kaseya VSA servers. And likewise, Kaseya themselves shut down the SaaS uh, VSA infrastructure. Um, Kaseya also had a statement about the scope of the incident. So at least as of the time of their writing last week, which was that it was somewhere around 60 Kaseya customers. Now keep in mind that they make products for managed service providers. So those 60 or so Kaseya customers translates to something more like 1,500 end-user businesses. Ooh, that's... That's uh, a fairly large number there. 
Um, yeah, and it'll probably grow over time, you know, as we right, see with these things. Just as we know now. Yeah. And have there been any security organizations that have joined in um, or provided commentary on this incident that you've seen? Yeah. So Kaseya engaged Mandiant uh, right off the bat. And this was a good move, in my opinion. Mandiant, uh, they must be just exploding these days. Um, and rightly so, in that they've earned the good reputation that they have in this business. Um, it was a bit interesting to me that Kaseya said Mandiant rather than just, you know, we've engaged a good IR team or something generic like that. So clearly the thinking in at least Kaseya's PR department and probably other companies is that it's good messaging to name drop Mandiant in these kinds of things. So um, sorry that the uh, there's so much need for what Mandiant does, but they're awfully good at it. So so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, fascinating to see the evolution of PR of like, oh, let's build our brand by um, <laughs> name dropping some people that are really good at. Yeah, name dropping some NIR. other company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's um, that's turning out to be the case. We're creating seamless job security across vendors, <laughs> <laughs> just feeding each other. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad they did that because Mandian is fantastic at what they do, and the important thing is to actually. Um, enumerate and solve the problem. Um, but what what do you think next steps look like for Kaseya? The internet has been in a pretty deep discussion about whether or not they think they'll pay the demand. So do you have any thoughts or expectations as to what they'll do? It is really hard to guess uh, what they're going to do. Um, and let's be honest, Kaseya is damned if they do and damned if they don't pay this ransom. I am very glad that I'm not the one that has to make that decision. Um, they must be listening to a lot of different viewpoints uh, from their customers, the MSPs, and then from the downstream customers of those MSPs. And I'm certain that a lot of those are clamoring for them to pay their ransom and just sort of get them out of this mess. Not that that guarantees that they will get out of the mess, as we all know, but the pressure on Kaseya uh, is enormous for this. And my final question here for you, Tim, before we move on to the hoodie rating is what are the implications of an MSP being targeted? We talked about all these different organizations that are hit with ransomware incidents and attacks, but this might be the first time we're talking about an MSP. So what are some nuances here? Right. So, well, an MSP is a force multiplier for any malicious actor who can compromise one. But uh, the MSP vendor is a force multiplier on top of a force multiplier. So, I, I don't know, would that be a force squarer? So, we're going to see more of these down the road, I think. Solar Winds and now Kaseya, they're not the last of these, um, unfortunately. Now, Solar Winds is slightly different. They're network monitoring software. Kaseya is an MSP vendor, so managing your managed services. Um, but in both cases, they are ways to get, you know, deeply into huge numbers of systems. And so that's part of the reason why the stakes of whether or not Kaseya pays the ransom in this case are so high, because a denied ransom payment would be a strike against the business model against the viability of these sorts of attacks in the future. And so we'll have to see what happens. But unfortunately, I would pretty much bet the ranch that we are going to see more attacks on MSPs or on their suppliers. Every uh, defender and or malicious actor's favorite playground game, Foursquare. <laughs> 
Ooh, yeah. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out. Um, Tim, I, I would side with your estimate of next steps there, but be curious to see what, what actually happens in the follow through. And hopefully they'll continue to communicate as transparently as they have through this entire process. Um, so let's go to that hoodie rating and Chad, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Um, this one is a definite nine out of 10. Um, it's pretty bad. And I think the more of these high profile attacks, um, happen, it'll, I mean, like you're a, you're a ransomware affiliate, right? You can, um, go around and pop individual companies. Um, but you see someone like the, this Revil affiliate that popped Kaseya, um, now gets access to, uh, all of these other companies they can ransom out. Um, so, and people probably be looking at this who are in the ransomware game and go like, oh, yeah, that's like got to be my target is one of these. I need to be, you know, looking more and more at these supply chain kind of uh, companies. So, uh, yeah, I think nine out of ten. Very bad. Um, lots of affected people. We still don't know. There's a there's actually a really good um, Google sheet floating around right now where people are collaborating and updating all the news stories um, that they can find of victims. Um, so that keeps growing and really shows you the scale of this whole attack. Um, but yeah, it's, this is a bad one. Not good at all. Oh my. Uh, I've never heard the, the Google Sheet bit before, but I'm glad that people are doing that to help gauge the the impact there. Yeah, it's just and- for the Kaseya... Um, Victims. So um, it's lots of, yeah, lots of just random researchers all contributing whatever they find and whatever they're working on. It's all, um, you know, TLP white stuff. So uh, none of the things that um, companies haven't published publicly yet. Um, but yeah. But similar to your your blog post and that graphic you pulled together is just helping people swim through all of the different public information and centralize it. It's always very helpful. And well, it's already so out of date now because uh, Revil was uh, the third um, biggest by victim uh, when we finished the graph. And now they are most certainly the top um, dog when it comes to um, Did you victims. inspire them, Chad? Is this your fault? Yeah. Did you I tell, put, they were like, if you're not first, you're last. And they were like, they just went for it. Yeah, exactly. With that, with that accident, first actually. loser. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, yeah, Chad has created job security for himself as if he didn't already have it um, in that he, this infographic is going to have to be updated like every week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> crap. <laughs> crap. What have I done? Oh, gosh. Well, Tim, would you agree with that that nine hoodie rating that Chad has? Yeah, you know, it's funny. The the number that was in my head previously was eight just because it's um, it's smaller in scope than print nightmare. But having said that, um, you know, I Chad's persuasive in that, like, this is, unfortunately, this is probably a blueprint for other things to come. And, um, you know, the, the reach is um, maybe limited right now, but the reach of other copycat type uh, attacks like this will be higher. So it portends more. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree. I'll go to nine. Um, also it's, wow, this is a rough week. We've got like a total of 18 hoodies of, uh, stories this week. We should be able to provide something when we have a high hoodie rating to our listeners to help ease the pain of reality. I feel like there should be some sort of if, if we we like should probably, <laughs> I think we should post um, puppy or kitten pictures with this show notes 
for breaking badness whenever the hoodies get above a certain level, just as an offsetting factor. We need something, an audio version of that too, of kitties or puppies. Um, so if people don't go to the show notes, they still get the calming effect. <laughs> Soothing pet sounds. Not Soothing to be confused pets. with the Beach Boys album. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, hopefully something that will provide a little levity is, of course, our, our typical weekly game here, which is Two Truths and a Lie. Um, and what happens is one of us, this week it's myself, will read three article titles, two of which are true and one of which is a lie. And of course, there's a point spread, and I'm just going to try to lie to Chad and Tim's virtual face. So you're going to try to lie your way to glory and fame. That's right. (laughs) That's been done before, but best of luck, I guess. (laughs) I feel really great about doing this now. Um, Perfect. Well, are you two ready? Lay it on us. Bring it. Bring the lies. All right, here's the first title. Soulless sneaker bots take over the internet to increase hype on specific sales. Article two. A picture is worth a thousand stolen credit cards. Magecart group Magecart group starts encoding stolen info into images. Article three. How about that dough, eh? Chrome rolls out DNS over HTTPS to Canadian users. Mm. That's what I got for you. Those are some good ones. These are good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, your lie has verisimilitude. Ooh. You've been bringing the vocabulary this episode, Tim. I've been practicing. I, I think I'm too old for the spelling bee. It's too bad, though. I do that little New York Times uh, spelling bee game, uh, you know, one of the free puzzles that they have on the New York Times, along with the mini crossword. So, you know, trying to keep it, trying to keep it limber, trying to keep it sharp here. (laughs) I think, uh, I think the lie, I think the lie was the third one. Uh, mm. only because I can't think of why they wouldn't have rolled out dough to uh, Canada <laughs> earlier. But, you know, you did well here. Like, I won't be at all surprised if I'm wrong. Chat and wh- what was the first one again? The first one was soulless sneaker bots take over the internet to increase hype on specific sales. Mm. I'm going to go with that one. Okay. That's the lie. <laughs> the lie. Well, Tim, you are correct. The oh. third one was the lie, but it was in fact Firefox that rolled out Doe, uh, DNS over HTTPS, to Canadian users. So, um, how do they pick which countries are are getting it next? Like, that's are a they? Great question. Are, yeah. Well, I mean, Mozilla just lets you choose between. Um, was it Quad Nines? Uh, Cloudflare's or Google's DNS over HTTPS, I think, or you can do a custom one. So all nines, all ones, or all eights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like that's been, I thought that was rolled out everywhere. Okay. Cool. 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 
<laughs> so, so Kelsey, what? T- tell us more about that first statement because I was I was really on the fence about that that one too. So, w- yeah. what's what's the story? What what's the uh, actual deal there? I thought maybe that Kelsey was just missing Tarek, so she made up a lie about like shoe hype <laughs> about sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we do miss Tarek. That was Quite my shoe that feed. was my thought. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, there's these um, folks that spin up bots on social media when there are sales that they're trying to push for a particular product and they were highlighting uh, sneakers um, and sneakerheads in particular to try to to drive demand, essentially. So that's... Uh, don't, don't fall for it, Tarek. Yeah, Tarek, it's not worth it. Hold your tongue and you'll be fine. But that's what happened there. And then, yes, Magecart was using steganography um, to to hold some information about stolen credit cards. No relationship to dinosaurs, unfortunately. Sadly not. That would be much more interesting. Another thing we would like to be extinct, fortunately, but unfortunately. Um, yeah. So maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> now we've probably lost all confidence in our listeners. They probably won't download any cute pictures of animals from our show notes, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, you know, don't let, download them, but if we post them, you can just look at them. Maybe yeah, we should yeah. do that on security snacks. We can just be like, you know what? Here's a here's a pet pick because it's rough out there. That could be like one of the features of security snacks. I think we can automate that. That would be great. <laughs> just sending cuteness your way. It's going to be a rough security snack we could, today. We could team up with re-rate dogs. We should get in touch with them. An <laughs> unlikely but valuable partnership. <laughs> we could be like re-rate Vons, maybe. We-rate Vons. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, thank you both for returning after our summer session. And next week, you'll be hearing from Chad, Tim, and Paul Vixie. So be sure to tune in for that special um, Voices from InfoSec segment. And then the next week, we'll be back for episode 92. So we'll be in your ears then. And I hope you all have a weekend without ransomware. We'll be in your ears and you'll be in our hearts. Oh, that's nice. That was the audio puppy we needed, Tim. Thank you. We're all about the love here at Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.